Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 107th edition. Or 6th? I don't know. We're over 100 editions of Birds All Day. It is uh, the middle of March. The World Baseball Classic finale, the final, is going on right this moment. So by the time you hear this, you will know whether or not Marcus Stroman is a hero or a goat. I have a feeling it, it's it's uh, trending towards hero at the moment, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yes, this is Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. We talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. And um, during the month of March, things that are tangentially attached to the Toronto Blue Jays because there's just not that much Toronto Blue Jays stuff about which to talk. Uh, joining me. Uh, old Reliable. As always, Old as, Reliable. As Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm doing all right. You're doing all right. You're doing well. Yeah. I'm glad to hear Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Of course, you can read his work at uh, The Athletic and at Vice Canada. And, of course, first and foremost, the Blue Jays Nation, part of the Nation Network. Or Is that what it's still called? That's the Nation what they Network? call it, yeah. We'll head over there, of course, where you can uh, hear this podcast and read many other things, including if I wanted to get right get right out of the way, uh, give a shout out to the thing that you wrote today about uh, about the Orioles and uh, about about the <laughs> comments that Dan Duquette, Duquette because it was good. You you it was I found it to be f- uh, quite fair. You oh, I good. found you well, were quite fair to to Buck Showalter at least, who is deserving of that credit. I think um, so. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I wrote it. And. And uh, it was just a very curious situation that Dan Duquette inserted himself into squarely again by saying things that don't need to be said. Quite frankly, like why does he keep doubling things. down? Yeah, yeah. And, and he laughs it off, but at the same time, the comments today were troubling. Frankly, um, what, I mean, we'll just get right into it. You know the whole yeah. deal. Patreon.com/slash/birds/all-day. Head over. Uh, we're everyone who's done so. We're really appreciative. Uh, don't be afraid to head over if you're new and you uh, want to keep the podcast going. Thank you very much for everyone who's done done so. Go ahead, do it if you haven't yet. Uh, iTunes, we're there as well. Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course you can find it all on Birds All Day. Uh, on uh, everything, every episode gets posted to the Blue Jays Nation. You can follow Andrew on Sto- uh, on Twitter at Andrew Stoughton. Follow me at Drew Groff, and we always share the links. And we have a Facebook page as well. The end. That's the housekeeping done. So Dan Duquette, we'll go right into the Dan Duquette thing because I wanted to, because here we are, because here we are. This is it's we're all, we're doing a podcast. We might as well talk about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dan Duquette made some just incredibly odd and pointed remarks in the direction of Jose Bautista. He he doubled down on the thing that he said during the offseason about how our fans don't like Bautista and you know he's the face of their franchise and they play him twenty five times a year and he made you know just went on and on about how the fans don't like him, which is fine. But then he, he, he went in a, he veered off in a strange way. He said, our guys are good. I like our guys. Our guys are good. Trumbo is like a working class type baseball player. If he was going to work every day on a construction site, you would understand that he brings that kind of work ethic every day. That's the kind of player that our fans identify with. We try to get gritty players that work hard every day and give their best effort every day. Our fans seem to like that and respond to it. What the fuck? That's crazy. It, it is literally crazy. And as you pointed out and has been pointed out a million times by a million different people, nobody works harder than Jose Bautista. Period. End of story. Like, full stop. He's a, he's an insane person, frankly. He is an insane <laughs> like, person. Like, we talk about it a lot on this podcast. Uh, we referred, I think, last week to the Travis Sochik uh, piece of Fangraphs that was talking about his off-season regimen and everything that he does. It's... Uh, He's a madman. Uh, and, and so to have Duquette suggest that, I mean, it's just it's just lazy. Uh, 
and shitty and stupid and why are you doubling down on those dumbass fucking comments in the first place there no the one thing that i will say not to maybe provide a little bit more context to that is i my thought is he compared trumbo to bautista because they were both free agents and the Orioles signed trumbo not bautista so to me that's maybe why he would have singled out mark trumbo rather than the best player on his team who's (laughs) named machado who is yeah. a teammate of Jose Bautista's in the Dominican Republic, who is a young guy. I'm sure he's a very hard worker. He's turned himself from a shortstop to an extre- extremely good uh, third baseman. He's become a very, very good hitter. Or uh, the kind of face of the franchise, Adam Jones, who's been their starting center fielder for, for years and years and years and is a very nice player whose reputation perhaps exceeds his production. But who cares? Andrew Jones is great. Adam Jones is great. Adam, I've done that <laughs> two weeks in a row. That's true. But why of why would he not pick those guys? Or even why would he circle to Trumbo? Maybe it's because of uh, the offseason thing, and he said we chose Trumbo, not Bautista, uh, even though one of those players is much much better than the other. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And then he goes into this working like this working yeah. like working class stuff. Mark Mark Trumbo is a very hard working ball player. He works out in the offseason with John Carlos Stanton. Uh, he works to become a better hitter. He had a great year as he was entering free agent. Good for him. Nobody could ever dispute Jose Bautista's work ethic. And yet here, Dan Duquette's kind of doing that, which is fucked up. It is, and it's in the language of the, you know, the coded racial language that we always sort of joke about being so prevalent or hopefully being less prevalent than it it has. Uh, You know, we sort of grew up with where these things weren't thought about so much, or at least weren't thought about by us fucking honkies. (laughs) <laughs> but uh uh but yeah no it's it's fucking ridiculous it's it, it's really it's really just a bizarre bizarre inept statement from uh from a guy who should know better and and i like i said in the piece that i wrote if i was an orioles fan i would be livid that this is the guy representing me and sort of saying this is what i i think this is what me and my fellow fans think like the and the working class thing is is uh just just bizarre like you say i mean did he choose trumbo in that case because chris davis just makes too much money to really be a true man of the people of the working class you know that that trumbo is is making what eight million dollars uh that's that's low enough a salary that he can be that kind of guy in people's minds i mean i i don't know where he's getting this from it's just it's just it's just fucking lazy and dumb like I said. If anyone, maybe Chris Davis might be a better match to Jose Bautista in that they were guys who kind of came up a little bit later that had their shot and looked the part and then could never figure it out. And then suddenly everything clicked as they were a little bit, you know, I mean, obviously Bautista uh, even, was even more, he was, he was 29. I bet you, I guess Davis was probably 27 or 28 when he finally had his big, big uh, blowout, uh, great season. But uh, yeah, it's just stupid. And, and again, even if even if you want to give him the, the benefit of the doubt, and there was a guy that I went back and forth with a little bit on Twitter today, and he was very much like, oh, you shouldn't uh, th- cast aspersions upon not only the Orioles front office, but the whole fan base saying that that's what they're kind of alluding to. But it's like, again, like that codified language, it's, it's not, those things are not, it's not an accident accident. Even if, even if you, you can only like take away or just assume you have to be really willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there and i don't know that he deserves it i think is kind of my bottom line on it it's and it's just idiotic it's just stupid because not only 
he's the general manager of the Orioles, and the Orioles are bullshit. And the Blue Jays <laughs> don't play them 25 times a year. They play them 18 or 19. And then last year, they played one extra game um, that the Blue Jays, of course, won because the Orioles manager was inept. And he kind of cost his team uh, their whole season by using his best pitcher not at all. So I wonder if Duquette maybe wants to talk about work ethic in uh, decision-making process. <laughs> you think and, Buck uh, doesn't work hard enough to make those decisions? He's got to do a few more crosswords, or I don't know what the hell you would do. Maybe pull out the old leverage chart and look up... <laughs> say, maybe you'll pull up the rule book and be like, can you get a save in a game in which you lose? Does not seem as though you can. What happens if there's no lead to protect and you end up going home and thinking about it all winter long? What page of the rule book is that on? What page is the Oriole Way manual? <laughs> I do kind of wish Duquette was calling up Buck all winter long with, with these questions, testing him like that, you know? The red-ass Orioles. Terrible. Uh, just, that's, it's, uh, it's terrible. It's so easy to... I mean, I, I, it's not easy to dislike them. Manny Machado's amazing, and I I got a lot of time for J.J. Hardy and, and, and Adam Jones, and obviously uh, Zach Britton is a monster, but uh, at the same time, fuck them. Fuck them so hard <laughs> and long into the night. Yeah. Uh, Red Assery is, is going around. We mentioned Marcus Stroman, who's pitching for the for the Amer- Team USA in the um, in the World Baseball Classic. His teammate, Ian Kinsler, uh, had a bit of a clownish statement that has been, everyone has blown up. Um, which is another one of those like this is the thing that people are going to talk about and you know codified language what he's saying like where we when I grew up in Kinsler or where we were raised it wasn't to show up the opponents and not to do cool fun things it was mostly about like putting your head down and uh, you know <laughs> go for this weird false stoicism thing uh, which is very interesting because his teammate for, for tonight Marcus Stroman is the opposite of all of those things Marcus Stroman is not stoic or quiet he's not afraid to show people up and have a good time which is kind of why he's insanely popular and people love him because his personality if anything outstrips his his abilities on the field who cares it's great he's gonna be pretty good he's gonna have a good year relax with the outstripping of the abilities on the field well he thus far maybe i'm thinking more about his brand uh and how his brand is uh is is more job one than his, uh, no, that's not true. No, no, nothing comes before playing. Nothing comes before performance. But, but Stroman is a guy who, who he has heard that sort of criticism before about not playing the game right or playing the game the right way. Not playing the game the white way, as it turns out. It would be difficult for him. Yeah, it would be. I don't know. It's just, it's just more dumb red-assery that, that is sort of the thing that... We talked so much last week about TV access and getting things, uh, you know, letting people watch games and what's going to hold the game down in the future. That's been the topic this week has been like the World Baseball Classic is so much fun because the, the players are into it and there's so much passion. And you can't expect to, to bring that passion to, but you know, a game in the middle of August between the Brewers and the Reds this year. Like no one's playing the fucking trumpet. At Miller Park, when the <laughs> when the te- when a team that might win seventy five games is playing against a team that might win sixty five games, uh, like, opening, there's no trumpets, there's no dancing. Opening day started mm-hmm. for the Reds is Scott Feldman. That was that, was that a fake tweet? I don't nope. even think it was. I think that's really no, that happened. was real. Yeah. What the fuck? They're bad. They're really bad. They're rebuilding. 
Um, with but they have a they are not even at the beginning of that rebuild because who did they have to trade? Joey, they Votto. had they didn't they didn't even have the assets that like the White Sox had to trade off. Oh, not even so they close, have Joey Votto, yeah. which you're not going to get shit for him because he, you've got 170 million dollars that you owe him. Yeah, or, or whatever it is. But my is, God, uh, opening day starter Scott Feldman. I, I know Scott Feldman's had a little bit of a better career than what we saw in Toronto last year, but. Mm-hmm. My lord. There's no excuse. Like the the like there's no way to, to dress that up. The Reds have I mean, and Anthony Discofani would probably would be the starter. I think he's not he's hurt though. Whoop D five, um, yeah. But even that <laughs> how much better is that? How much how many like low level XJs do you need? I mean Discofani's pretty good. I've All I those do, guys from that I, hmm? I do believe Drew uh, Drew Hutchison started an opening day for the Blue Jays. Not yeah, that there you long go. ago either, yeah. It's easy, but the thing is, there is no one who's any better on that Reds team. The Reds are, you know, the, the, that guy Robert Stevenson. He was like their big prospect forever, and then he uh, he's like every year he just slides further and further down. He Snyder's further and further down the top one hundred prospect list to the point where now he's like uh, just another Brad Lincoln, you know, out there. <laughs> on the... <sighs> it got dark. Uh... But yeah, uh, Marcus Stroman, uh, his name is on on my list here. He's very good. Yeah. A lot of a lot of high hopes for Marcus Stroman. Um, I mean, we've we've said this all we've said this before. He he looks so good against the uh, the Dominican lineup. Uh, he did not look so nice the his last time out. Yeah, the first game against uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, got hit around a little bit. The Puerto Rican team is ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, okay. now here he is. At all, so I, far. I don't think I watched that game, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I remember seeing the line uh, of it afterwards. They were saying at the start of the uh, the broadcast tonight that, uh, you know, I think it was six straight hits to start the game that he gave up. That's how he gave up four runs in the first inning. But they were all, you know, not, it wasn't like rockets to left field. I think it was just, you know, balls that managed to go through. And, and you know, you, you can't, you obviously can't say that he pitched well if he gives up six straight hits. I mean, at some point, mm-hmm. something's got to give, but apparently it wasn't as bad as the uh, the line made it look. Uh, but apparently, he's dealing tonight. He has. Not, I you know yet. you know I, I came uh, I I came here to podcast. I came in the little the little nook that I use, uh, and I'm like, oh, I'll just uh, while we're podcasting, I'll just throw the game on my phone. I can watch it on my phone. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I can't. You, sir, cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. This was last week's episode, but. Still, come on. This is bullshit. It is. It actually it actually is. Um, but, yeah, all, all systems go. And uh, Aaron Sanchez had a nice outing against uh, those same Orioles just the other day. He gave up a home run to Chris Davis. It's, all, all, it's almost like the Blue Jays and the Orioles are, are very closely linked and will be forever. Um, but, yeah, it, I guess this, 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 we're at the point in the spring where Start to exhale a little bit. Be looking around. Be like, okay, so far, so good. You know, Devin Travis is coming back and getting back into action. Josh Donaldson's getting back into action. Uh, the pitchers are sort of ramping up. There's been some talk, I guess, about Marco Estrada's velocity kind of being up a little bit, and him doing that athlete thing where he reveals, oh yeah, last last year I was barely mobile. I was like right, a, yeah. in traction, and then I was on the mound. Like, uh, so that you know, you just. You just take the good, you know, take these little good omens that come here and there. Um, I mean, the outfield's a little banged up still, I guess. Uh, you know, Bautista 
been slow to come back after the World Baseball Classic, and Melvin Upton, who uh, who was representing his home planet during the World Baseball Classic, but was unfortunately um, not been playing as much recently. Yeah, he uh, hurt his shoulder. Uh, that, that's an interesting one to me. He hurt his shoulder, but it's yeah. but it's minor. But it's his shoulder, so we haven't seen him since he did it. It it could there be more there than they're saying? I don't know. It's it's really tough to gauge during spring training because it's especially in the early early days. Well, oh, I'd be playing if it was the season, right? Is the thing that you'd hear, and, and <laughs> they're all looking for days to, off. Yeah, hmm? they're looking yeah, for but days they off. all yeah they all hate training and don't I, don't we all frankly we all do i mean I, everyone looks forward to it because it's fun until it isn't you, you just run out of patience with spring training and the world baseball classic is a bit of a nice distraction from it even though it still has a spring training like you can't wash the stink of spring training off completely <laughs> it's still there right when people are when the, the pitchers are all in these tight pitch counts and or uh, guys are here and there, or they don't look quite like themselves. You know, they, you know, like Nolan Arenado, I think, has struck out in five straight plate appearances or something like that. No, he bunted. Oh, good. Nolan Arenado bunted. Seems like a good idea. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, actually, that's another thing on my list. We'll have to come back to that. Okay. But yeah, it is to yeah. make sure you get everyone healthy, get every, get things sorted out, get the guys the, the, the work that they need or they want, depending on who it is. You know, you get to see some. The kids sort of are starting to make their way out of camp now. Guys are getting cut, and Rowdy Tellez is gone, or wh- whoever else. Anthony Alford got cut, and and then that's one of those things where the people who don't follow closely are like, "Why? Why'd they cut this kid? He's got hitting 450 in spring training. He should give a chance to make the team." Those are fun conversations to have at work. Or yeah, like I remember. I remember building. working in an office having to have those kind of conversations. It sounds mm. horrible. Yeah, it's not so bad. We had a thing at my office this week for whatever reason. Everyone had to wear like sports gear, and I can't help but wonder. <laughs> That's fun. Well, that, it was for a, a hoot. It was, well, it wasn't. It was for a reason. It was okay. for it was it was for like a, a pitch basically. Okay. Um, but uh, I really think that, that maybe um, now the world that I live in is very cloistered and tight. But there was a lot more like soccer and basketball gear than there was hockey gear in the office. Is what I'm going to say. That there were tons of Raptors jerseys, and there was an Arsenal jersey, and a Liverpool jersey, and then some poor soul wearing an Aston Villa jersey, and then there was some awesome guy with a West Ham scarf and like a Giants hat and all this other stuff. And it's just, I don't know. I think that, that hockey's, you know, I heard DeMar DeRozan mention it the other day. Like, oh, well, you know, he was talking about the, the fight. And the Raptors got in a big fight with Serge Ibaka and uh, Robin Lopez or Brooke Lopez. And uh, they were, DeMar DeRozan's like, yeah, you know, the, the fans liked it because it's like a hockey thing. I'm like, I don't think that Toronto's a hockey town anymore. Like, is it maybe, am I maybe wrong? Am I maybe, I, is like... I don't think you're wrong. I mean, Lord knows I don't really have my finger on that pulse. But, but, but like, you uh, you have children. It, it is expensive to have your fucking kids in, in hockey. Like, the, the My youngest the daughter plays hockey. Crazy. Oh, yeah? So then you know yeah. firsthand that it's fucking crazy. I, but even that is a little bit removed from the Leaf experience. And it's because the Leafs have been bad. I think that if they make the playoffs this year, that would be really interesting. Or if they are able to improve, maybe like next year, if they do something that's going to make the team, that, you know, take it to the next level. Um, even then, so if, if maybe the Leafs make a big signing or like have something else, even then they would almost be as good as Montreal has been for like the last ten years. A big, big step up for the Leafs. I think yeah. that's really something for them to look forward to. <laughs> being almost as good as Montreal has been. 
um, literally for like a decade. Yeah. Uh, which would you good? Which is good. Which is really but, something that you. Uh, you look forward to it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I don't know, but it, is it, 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 it younger people maybe not get into the game the, the same way? Uh, I don't know. Does it feel like it's a is it a, is hockey a white people thing? Like I don't I don't know. Well, I, I I mean it's again where I live and where I work it's very different. I, I think that people, maybe Toronto has a very skewed view. I don't think that the Raptors resonate across the country the way that they do here. They don't. They, don't. <laughs> they definitely no. don't. Yeah. But I mean, I, like I remember, even when I was like when I was young, before there were Raptors, basketball was huge in like Newmarket. I remember driving when I when my parents first moved to Newmarket, and there were basketball nets everywhere. Like every house, kids love basketball, and I think it's sort of like it's come up. And like those people are now me, and then you know my oldest kid, she loves basketball and. She has like Raptors hat. They like she. She likes to say that she likes the Leafs because she likes to troll me, um, like that's, <laughs> which means I've done something right. As Clearly, player. but uh, yeah. but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And I think that it's it's more wishful thinking than anything. And that as soon as the Leafs do get to that next level, or if they are able to, I don't know, win a playoff series once ever, um, or <laughs> hold on, to, like keep a four-one lead in in place. Okay. Uh, uh, they, uh, it'll all wash everything away. All the gains made by TFC and by and by the Blue Jays will all get washed away in a in a, in a sea of, of Austin Matthews jerseys. Oh, yeah, which is, which I don't is, think is I don't because, think they will. Hmm? I don't. I think no? no. I think you're onto something. I don't think that will. I mean, I think the Leafs will still be a huge thing. I think if the you know if a Leafs playoff game is up against a Raptors playoff game for some you know dumb reason of scheduling, hmm. uh, the Leafs are still gonna be the biggest thing but i don't think they're going to kill these other sports i think hmm. i don't know maybe i'm just putting too much of my my own self i'm three for three watching tfc games this year uh really? which is something i've i've never done before on a regular basis i've sort of you know paid half attention to them um, mm-hmm. you know we'll see how long it lasts the, the quality of the soccer is not quite the same as as you know watching Barcelona, uh, Canada, Real Madrid, but, but of course it's not going to be. Even you know, watching that Liverpool uh, Chelsea game on the weekend, or whoever the city or whoever the fuck mm. it was. Uh, but still, I mean, it's a no. It's a it's a pretty good product. It was it's been pretty entertaining so far, and and you know, having them go to that championship game and the excitement that was there last year, kind of, I don't know. I'm a, I'm one of those people who this the TFC thing was just built for me. Like I I was. Uh, you know, a soccer fan in Toronto looking for, you know, looking for an outlet. And it, mm-hmm. it, the, the experiment, I don't know if you recall, went horribly awry for about a decade. But I see why. And, and you know, I, I, I saw somebody tweeting the other day about, you know, people, uh, just the number of people asking to turn on MLS games in bars or the, the number of people. It just people are more engaged with that sport, I think, than ever. And I, I think, you know, the Raptors are an enormous thing in Toronto that I think people outside of the city don't necessarily see. Like, if you're if you're going downtown and looking for a spot to, you know, sit at a bar and watch a Raptors playoff game, like, good luck. Like, it's mm-hmm. got to get there early. It's, it is a, it's an event that's going to pack in people. So... I played basketball every Tuesday night, and the Raptors played a ton of playoff games on Tuesday nights. And there would be nights where guys wouldn't come. Like, we were having trouble getting people together because all the guys... I mean, obviously, that's a a self-selecting process or issue. But, like, the guys who I played basketball with did not want to come and play because they would rather have gone and watched the Raptors, which 
I don't I don't get. I'm like I'd rather play this sport than watch it, but what do I know? Bringing it back to baseball a little bit, and I think the the success of the Blue Jays and the the sort of fan base that sort of came it is interesting. Um, on as a bit of a segue, the a lot of other teams around baseball, especially bad teams, well, and the Cardinals are doing like a monthly ballpark pass thing now. Yeah, I saw they're offering like that, those yeah. sort of 500 levels. Uh, you'll get a handful of seats for a really low price, um, and I think that. Maybe the kid, the people who you know, again, like yourself and myself, and people that we know that were in in our age cohort, who may have been like younger and in their twenties and 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 single or whatever, or uh, and living in the city, and and they, that was a bit of a gateway thing to bring the Blue Jays to people who wouldn't have ordinarily have cared about baseball, and now that that that's like ten years on. It's that's it's sort of taken hold, and and obviously the success has been a big thing. So such that, you know, we I joke about the Leafs and make corny, predictable jokes about the Leafs' success. But at the end of the day, I don't think any Blue Jays fan needs to be insecure about the success of the Blue Jays or about the uh, the identity of the Blue Jays or the Blue Jays' place in this city. I think that it is, uh, and and the Blue Jays are, have a have an advantage over a team like the Raptors in that, like the Blue Jays are they span their success and the energy spans coast to coast in a way that maybe the Raptors don't and and the Leafs obviously don't because of there's eight teams or whatever but I think it's it's the end of the day it's a good it's a good time to be a Blue Jays fan unless you don't have cable (laughs) yeah that sounds about right what's up fam you know, baseball season is around the corner, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every Blue Jays game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing like seeing the best plays of the year in person. We've all been down to the games. It's uh, it's an incredible experience. With the Blue Jays, when they're great, uh, you want to be there. You want to be there in person. You want to be in the stands, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. You know, I have the app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I could be anywhere, just a few taps, I got my tickets to the game. It's uh, it's a tremendous thing, and it's not just the Blue Jays game. You know, you could go to Leafs games, you can go to concerts, comedy events, theater tickets, all sorts of stuff is on, t- on SeatGeek. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop SeatGeek tickets with confidence. Uh, and it'll just give you the most bang for your buck, plus... Listeners to Birds All Day, just like last year, you can get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. When you do that, you enter the promo code BIRDS, B-I-R-D-S, BIRDS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. For real, $20. Holy shit. Do that shit. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BIRDS today. Speaking of being a good time to be a Blue Jays fan, it's a good time to be a Blue Jays fan because John Gibbons is going to be the manager of the team, or he's going to be paid to be the manager of the team, whether he's doing that job or not, for like two or three more years, which yeah. is great. John yeah. Gibbons, extension, um, doesn't really make it. I mean, it's fun, and everyone who listens to this show knows how we feel about John Gibbons, as in that, in that he's a, a fine, affable, and competent manager. And that's all anyone could ever ask for, realistically. Yeah, they're right. not going out there and winning you twenty. Excuse me, twenty games in a season, right? I mean, they're yeah, 
affable, confident, uh, uh, a calming presence. There's there's so much intangible into what goes into it, what a make what makes a manager and what a manager's job is, and there's so much that's maybe not intangible but that is unseen by the fans. That yeah, it's hard to it's hard for me at this point at least to get you know, really worked up about somebody unless he's con- you know consistently doing the wrong thing consistently making mistakes that are are very clear and you know when john gibbons makes mistakes or makes decisions that that uh that are not what the majority of people would do there's still there's still a lot of a coin flip element to them i find and there's there's probably justifications for them it's not you know he's not just doing egregious nonsense out there every night so yeah he's gibby come on you got you gotta love it i think the thing that i like about john gibbons is um flexibility is maybe the word i'm not the word i want to use but he's not afraid to do things not differently but he's not afraid to 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 move on from an idea or a or a player or a a, an attempt at something when it doesn't work he gives it its chance to run its course and then it's like okay now it's on to the next but he's not afraid to do things like hit josh donaldson second or jose bautista lead off or troy tulewitzki lead off or he's not afraid to use a 20 year old kid as his closer uh who took over for another 21 year old kid like i, I think we forget <laughs> yeah. that was that was that just two years ago that miguel castro was 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 like the closer at the sure beginning was, of the year yeah. uh, is, which is crazy but yeah he, he he has a few levers that he's willing to pull and and he doesn't um do the head scratching hair pulling out sort of stuff that um endears him to you know you know you and me specifically and guys and and girls uh, and women like us uh he infuriates a certain percentage of the population who are convinced that he's the thing that's holding the Blue Jays back, um, which I don't really get. I mean, again, that's like the small ball brigade, the people who are more interested in activity than productivity. Um, And at the end of the day, the Blue Jays are a very veteran club for the most part. And, you know, they are going to sort of take, take care of things themselves. They have some very strong personalities and they have guys like Russell Martin who are, you know, the we talked about last week the capital L leaders guys that lead by example guys who are uh, the truest sense of the word winner like Russell Martin goes places and the teams win not because of Russell Martin but he has that reputation and he's a good enough player that he's not just leaning on it like a like an old crutch uh, and John Gibbons stays I, from uh, you know seems as though he stays out of the way and lets all that stuff sort of sort itself out and uh, and you know he's pretty good about platoons and he does little things like hit Ezekiel Carrera leadoff, which is not the, yeah, those not, are the, the not the greatest things. thing. <laughs> yeah. But he wouldn't die. Is it one of those things where it's like, okay, we'll do it for a week or two, but it's not as though he's going to pencil him in there and, and leave him who or a, a worse player. I mean, I mean, we haven't seen him try to leave, make Kevin Pilar, force Pilar into the leadoff role or, you know, uh, you know, he, he just seems to have a very healthy understanding of, what he wants or needs or can do with the batting order and the limitations that a, the that that tweaking the batting order may you know the limitations on tweaking the batting order it doesn't it's only going to yield so many results so you don't think that changing the batting order is going to um, you know save the save the day the the hitter's got to hit and if you hit him second or third or fifth or sixth or first if they don't hit it doesn't really matter where they're standing or where their name is penciled in and that's my sense of it anyway (laughs) he could have maybe Mm -hmm. dropped russell martin in the order uh, a little earlier uh, last year than he did you know midway through the cleveland series yeah sure but it's not like there's somebody who's 
you know, again, it's it's sort of like the Cito thing where, in a lot of ways, this Blue Jays team manages itself, right? It, it, there's only, so, again, I got to say the word levers again. There's only so many levers you can pull. There's, they've got a couple of switch hitters now. Um, they have, like, no left-handed hitters at all. So they just kind of figure it out. And All right, that's sort of about the shape of it. It's going to go back to Donaldson, Morales, Tulowitzki, and the rest of it will, you know, you just hope for the best. You hope for the best. <laughs> Real uh, strong, strong words in favor of the crucial leadership of a manager, a skipper, as I like to call him. It doesn't even wear the jersey, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> how important can his job be if he can wear a goddamn windbreaker every day? Nobody notices or cares. The, that was, you know, he wears. He, I bet you he wore the jersey with it like less than five times on the field last year. <laughs> hey, you're, he wore that goofy red one. If John Parado um, can wear a, a windbreaker every day and still do important work, then I think John Gibbons can too. The windbreaker himself. Um, <laughs> now, I mentioned Kevin Pillar and, and the maybe would-be um, leadoff hitter in another time or another place or with another manager because he's speedy. He's uh, probably going to lead the Blue Jays in stolen bases uh, this year. Uh, just because there's not really anybody else who's going to steal a lot of bases, uh, unless Melvin Upton has found a way to steal first. Uh, but uh, there was a, a fun thing that happened this week where Kevin Pillar uh, bunted every time he came to the plate. He is, um, yeah. What, what? How many times did he bunt in a row? Seven. He was zero for seven. Seven times in a row. <laughs> yeah. So he was trying to bunt for a hit and he was not being successful. And now he said. His line in this story, actually, that uh, your dude Jeff Blair wrote, which is, now I have to go back to the drawing board. It worked for me great on the backfields in Dunedin. Naturally, the body moves a little more in the general of the game. I've got to incorporate a little bit more movement into my bunting or slow my feet down. I guess he's kind of do like the drag bunt or push bunt, like he's kind of off to the races. And it, it, it's interesting to see this happen because, I again, I've, I'll mention a straw man, small ball fanatic. That who believe that bunting is the easiest and most natural thing in the world, <laughs> yes. and that everyone should be able to do it. And if you aren't, if you can't ask a player to bunt, it means that there's some kind of great moral failing on the behalf of his parents and all of his coaches and the Blue Jays organization as a whole. Uh, bunting is hard, and bu- bunting for a hit is hard. But the thing about bunting for a hit, and I've said it many, many times, and I'll continue to say it, is that bunting for a hit is great, and it works like a, a rather alarming amount of time, the percentage of the time. <laughs> Do, do you think There's, it does? Yeah, there is a um, uh, uh, beyond the box score went through and did some play index things and some some uh, batting or some ball ball and play searches and they basically last year um, when hitters tried to bunt for a hit they hit four thirty three. All and right. the year before that, they hit four forty. Everybody bunt. Before that, Let's they hit, go. Everybody bunt. You, 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 <laughs> I mean, and that if that includes like bunts against the shift. Right where where you see, you know the whomever try it. Uh, Chris Davis has done it a few times, or I mean Bautista. You don't really see him bunt against a shift, but he's hit against a shift a few times. Um, if you have, if you feel confident in doing it, and maybe Pilar um, was testing his confidence but not really able to do it, um, then yeah, bunt against the shift, bunt for a hit. If you see the third baseman playing way back, I'm all for it. Bunt, keep him honest, and then when you get up there the next time, it's just. Maybe you maybe you earn yourself an extra fastball. Maybe you earn yourself third baseman playing a little bit more in. 
And then you smash a line drive, you know, through his ear hole. I don't know. <laughs> Bunt. But and uh, to to I think Pollard Pilar deserves a bit of credit, and I think that's what's in the the bulk of um, of uh, Blair's piece, which is he has a sort of confidence to try it. The confidence to the confidence mixed with the desperation. Right, that, that <laughs> probably would be my the reading thing. of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's a matter of making uh, you know. Um, Adding just adding a dimension to your game and giving yourself a chance, and I think that's um, in the in this beyond the box score piece as well. We talk about guys that prop up their numbers. Uh, Odubel Perez, or uh, sorry, Odubel. Um, well, Caesar Hernandez is a guy who plays for the Phillies, who got a bunch of bunts, and D Gordon, who added like adds all kinds of bunts. Uh, Odubel Herrera, I guess he's the Philly center fielder, and he uh, he, Makes more he bunts sense, a lot. Yeah. And uh, it's like it's almost like free money. It's it's just cheap little hits, but you didn't make it out. It it and... is. I, well, I was just, I'm going to say it is, but I mean it also is terrifying that at this stage in in his career, Kevin Pillar feels he's out of you know he's so bereft of ideas. He's like, well, guess I'll try button. I can't uh, I I can't actually you know hit my way onto the onto the bases. Uh, you know, at a rate that's going to keep me viable as a, an everyday, every, everyday player. He sure as fuck doesn't take his walks. And he probably, I think there was a good thing at uh, Baseball Prospectus Toronto last year uh, about how maybe he shouldn't, you know, maybe he, like his, uh, he is successful in his approach that, that, that a little bit. And I don't know if you can just ask him, but, oh, I'll just start taking more pitches. Uh, mm. So, you know, that would be a big change of an approach. But so, so is this idea that he's just going to become a bunter and, like you said right off the top, like it's it's one of those things where people just assume that a bunt is going to be you know easy to do and laid down by everybody. You know anyone in Little League can lay down a bunt, and we've seen over the years that that's just not the case. And 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 you know uh, these guys at this point in spring training, I think guys are like, well, is is that a valuable use of my time? Is that going to really become a weapon for me, or should I continue to try to get into my rhythm, continue to you know get ready for the season? And to do the things that have made me successful, and the guys who are doing crazy shit like Pilar is doing, like, which, like, I think you're right that it's admirable, and and he's a guy who I respect a lot for the way that he, you know, made himself into uh, an elite defensive player, uh, coming up as a prospect who was never thought he was going to be one of the, you know, in the conversation for the best center fielder in baseball. Like that would have been crazy to think of. Uh, so you got to respect that, and and you know, so fuck, go for it, you know, give it a try, I guess. But it just it speaks to. Uh, how unsuccessful he's been with his current approach, right? I mean, and that's that's sort of the thing. I guess it's good to acknowledge that, but it is also, you know, that that maybe isn't a lot of confidence in the fact that he can just keep on doing what he's doing and and uh, expect things to change. Uh, I think that's a little on the cynical side. I, I just oh, think it's that... a lot on the cynical side. <laughs> yeah, I just... <laughs> but, but come on, I don't know what the well, fuck. I don't think that I don't think that a guy like Pilar looking to add a dimension to his game is necessarily a white flag on being a viable hitter. I don't think it's him giving up on it or, but I think it's more just about like, if this is something I can add and if it's two or three a month, that's an extra, you know, if I get an extra 10 or 15 hits a year, that, that makes a big difference. And if it's, if, especially if it's in a, if it's in a key spot, uh, I, I don't see, see the harm in it. Now, because of the kind of hitter that he is, that is going to make a difference and it's not taking away. He's not a kind of player where, you know, he has the ability to go 
to I mean he does because everybody does but he's not the same kind of home run threat where you you're almost playing into the defense's hands uh, unless you're you know trying to keep them honest but but you uh, know he I it, basically I'm trying to say it's not that he has nothing to lose it's that he has something to gain I think that's maybe the way I think about it it's not like a, well what's the difference I'm going to make either I make it out you know rolling over and hitting a soft ground ball to the shortstop or I uh, try to bunt and the pitcher you know fields it and, and I'm out that way I don't think about it that way I think it's just like a just trying to get a bit of an edge and yeah. and and something that uh, again he has nothing to lose so but what was shot. the what was the phrase you say if the glove doesn't fit you you had you had a nice little turn of phrase there I did yeah just now was it when I was defending OJ Simpson against charges <laughs> of murder no it was not uh, yeah, no, I, I get, I get what you're saying that he doesn't have, it's not that he doesn't, has nothing to lose. He's got something to gain. I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I don't know. I don't find it comforting. I find it like akin to the, the, uh, Justin Smoke going to abandon his all or nothing approach this year. You know, that was a story that was out there just, which is all in the, the vein of the, uh, best shape of my life kind of stories that you hear every spring. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. this is more on the disturbing end of things for me <laughs> than, the next oh no no! I was I was hurt last year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. Uh, now, the last thing I've got on my list here um, is speaking of cynical and uh, nothing to lose. Uh, and you wrote about this, which is uh, Kelly Johnson. <laughs> yeah, giddy up, let's go. There's not. Uh, I got time for Kelly Johnson. I'll be honest. Which is crazy. That's just it. Just speaks to how bad the situation in left field is. The the Angel Pagan talk has begun anew. But uh, I mean, what what did you write about Kelly Johnson? Like, yeah, he could do it. He's the good side of the platoon, and he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And he was pretty good here, and then bad there. And yeah. he's Kelly Johnson. That's basically it. But no, I, I it was mostly about how he's really changed. Uh, as a as a hitter a little bit in, in the the last year and a half or so since he went to the Mets last year and he went back to the Braves and back to the Mets uh, I forget the name of the Mets hitting coach but he is a guy who uh, is like the this new wave of, of you know don't ever hit it on the ground kind of guys and is really apparently mm-hmm. focused on having you know lefty hitters you know pull it and pull it in the air uh, and that seemed to be a, an actual positive change for Johnson especially with the Mets and it kind of maybe went away when he was with the Braves last year and came back a bit. I think this is all right in his uh, player profile on his Fangraphs page. And, and so when you look at that and you line it up with uh, with, with his uh, his game logs and, and if you look at the, the production that he can, he can have uh, as perhaps the left-handed hitting part of a platoon, I don't know. if he, he only really has to be better than Ezekiel Carrera. So that's not really difficult to do, right? So... He, he makes sense as an option there. He makes sense because we think Steve Pierce is probably going to steal a lot of playing time from Justin Smoke. Uh, and that means a versatile guy like Pierce might not be playing as much outfield as we've expected, might not be spelling Devin Travis or Josh Donaldson as much as we expected, and Johnson is a guy who mm-hmm. can definitely do that. So mm-hmm. he would have utility on this roster. I think uh, I think he makes more sense than, than poor old Zeke. Um, I don't think he's going to be great i don't i don't know if that i believe in those changes in his in his, uh, in his swing or in his approach that is, uh mm-hmm. that you know it's a really small sample that we're looking at but uh as the the keen people always say you know if you see a change in approach and a change something physical you change and the results go with it it's a little more 
uh, there's something more to believe in there than it's just, oh, he suddenly got better the last couple of years without having anything to sort of tie it to. So even though the mm-hmm. sample's small, I think there's, there's you know, hope that he's that he's a guy who, who could maybe do something. But obviously, uh, the, the other part of it is the type of contract, and the Jays were looking at him on a minor league deal, and he's not ready to sign a minor league deal. I would be less thrilled if they went and signed him to a big league deal. I think he could be a really valuable guy for them, though, especially with you know thinking of all that and the fact that Carrera's out of options, which means you can maybe stash Johnson in Buffalo if he would take such a deal uh, mm-hmm. and then be a nice layer of depth for them that way. Uh, obviously, he's not going to do that right now, and you'd have to give him a big league spot. So... Uh, so I, I, that that is where the current stalemate is at. But if he changes his position and just wants to get on the field and get ready for the season, uh, maybe it's something that you'll end up seeing them visit. I feel like Steve Pierce is not going to play in the outfield at all this year. I would. Why would he? Really? His arm is like not right. That, that's <laughs> very much still the case, I believe. I think he's playing um, in the outfield on on the weekend. Mm-hmm. He's going to play in left on Saturday, Friday, or Saturday. I think. Um, that doesn't mean, I mean, he could run around out there all he wants. I don't know what his arm's going to look like. <laughs> Dragging limply behind him. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Kelly, Kelly Johnson is the kind of like low variance player. You feel like you have a pretty good sense of his floor. Um, and his ceiling is not too far, far from what his floor is. <laughs> no. And then, it, but it, if you bring a guy like that in, and then the floor is not there, then well, okay, you move on to the next. You try something else, yeah. or you look to to uh, you know what's going to be the next solution. But you know, if, cut, if he's he willing, his, and then the he cut team, down on his strikeouts hmm? too. Cut down on those strikeouts. He was he was below league average with his strikeout rate last year. That I refuse to believe. It's crazy. That, I know. Yeah, I think it was like nineteen me, point something percent. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. So basically, it's just that he's been the same, and the league has the strikeouts have gone so far <laughs> up that they I, they passed Kelly Johnson and left him in the dust. I think he had a twenty seven or twenty eight percent year with the Jays. So that's that's a market improvement. Uh, again, over a pretty small sample, but I don't know. Worth a look. S- the Steve Pierce and Kelly Johnson platoon. Dare to dream. Blue Jays 2017. <laughs> Let's rise. Let's rise to the lowest appreciable ceiling we can reach. Um, I think that's about it. Again, like we, whether or not the Jays do anything on this left, left field um, uh, situation, you know, a guy like Johnson hasn't played. You know, Pagan's been playing in the World Baseball Classic, but that's not nearly enough ABs compared to you know, a full spring. So you, you know, get a little late. To make a move like that, but the, which doesn't mean to say that that won't happen. But well, especially if especially if, if Carrera is you know hurt, he's got the finger issue, and Upton's got the shoulder, and Pompey's got the concussion. So mm-hmm. the, that that may force their hand right there in making a move. Especially if Pierce can't play left field at all. You know, we shall see how that arm looks. Jay should trade Ryan Goins to the Yankees for Chris Carter. Didi Gregorius hurt his shoulder in the WBC. He's out for a month or so. Yankees have a hole at shortstop. Ryan Goins is their man. Humbly take Chris Carter, who's barely, I mean, he's not the right hitting from the right side of the plate, but problem solved. There we go. That's what we're here to do. There we go. Problem solved. Or maybe a better, no. Yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury. The Jays need Jacoby Ellsbury to play left field (laughs) every day. Oh, God. What a nightmare. That would be, be awful. Awful. Uh, 
this was not awful. This was fine. Thank you, Mr. Stone. Yeah, it's always nice it to speak okay. with you. It was okay. Yeah. I don't I, think we're going to put this one on the highlight reel for 200 episodes, but, uh, but it was all right. What would go in the, in the highlight reel of the 200 episodes? Hey, That's we got, a better we, question. We got that uh, Hurricane Praise there last week. Yeah, we couldn't, did, of course. We couldn't find anything dumb that we said. This time, I'm not so sure. We we were speaking positively about Kelly Johnson, so you know, the egg is all, <laughs> it, it's built in. It comes right in on the face. Yeah. Uh, for Mr. Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Ferris. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Birds All Day. Uh, Marcus Stroman has, by the time at the end of the recording, has still yet to re, to allow a hit to the Puerto Rican team. So uh, that's always exciting to see. He's probably strutting around and having a great time. I'm going to put it on as soon as I'm done here, which is now. Thanks again for listening to Birds All Day.